God, we love you, we praise you, we glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, that it's active, and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you would use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that as uh, I've worked on this message, Lord, that you would come through, that it would speak directly to the hearts of your people. Father, that our lives would be changed by it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 this morning. We're going to be in verses 17 through 20. It says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them He shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, I'd like to start off this morning by saying that God's word is always true. And it's never contradictory. Our inability or my inability (laughs) to adequately explain or understand it does not nullify it. Uh, this is a very difficult portion of scripture to, uh, to pull apart, but we're going to do our best together uh, to pull it apart. Who, who has ever read this scripture and had difficulty fully understanding it? Anybody? Who's ever read it or had somebody use it against them and say, well, you know, this is what this says and this is why you should do what you're doing. Um, I believe that God meant what he said when he said it. Um, and even though we may not be able to fully understand it, does not mean that uh, it isn't what it says that it is. Now, it's very important for you to understand this scripture this morning, and uh, we're going to be we're going to be heavy. We're going to be deep this morning. We're going to go into the deep water. That's why I wore my cowboy boots this morning to make sure that we can get into the deep water. And so I need you to pay attention. Uh, the The context of it is very important. The context is this: is that people want to use this scripture to lead you away from Jesus and lead you away from God's word. And so it's vitally important for your Christian practice to fully understand it so that you can defend what we believe and why we believe it, why you do what you do, and not let people manipulate you into going against the scriptures. Um, uh, Why is it important to understand the scripture and its doctrinal importance? Number one, people want to separate the Old Testament from the New Testament. Uh, People want to put more weight on the New Testament than the Old Testament. These people want to be red letter Christians. uh, And they use this scripture as a means to pull you away from the Old Testament. And and so it's very important that you understand the scripture so you will not be pulled in a, a different direction. We at Faith and Victory Church want to be biblical and give equal weight on the influence and the uh, connection with the Old Testament. Amen? Uh, we we want to believe in the entirety of the Bible. Uh, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all in there for a reason. And again, our inability to understand it or explain it does not mean that it's not true or that God didn't mean what he said. There's never been a book more studied in all humanity than the Bible, and there are still things that people are figuring out about it. And so uh, it's a very complex book. Uh, secondly, people want to separate Jesus from the Old Testament. 
Uh, People want to say, well, that's the God of the Old Testament. We serve Jesus. Uh, You cannot separate the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. They are the same God. The same God at creation is the same God that walked on water. The same God of Sodom and Gomorrah is the same God that uh, healed men at the pool. It's the exact same God. You cannot separate the two of them. Uh, We believe that the God of Genesis is the God of Revelation. Uh, We walked through three years of teaching on 1st and 2nd Samuel that time and time again we saw Jesus in the Old Testament. You cannot separate the two of those. Uh, Thirdly, people want to allow and teach people to break God's moral laws as outlined in the Old Testament because they do not want to be held accountable to them. It's just plain and simple. People want to twist the scripture so they can live however they want. And so they use this scripture to twist it so that people would be free to live however they want with no moral restraints. Uh, People want to sin and keep their salvation and have no uh, restraints in how they live. And so those of us that believe the Bible and say that God has moral standards will label people as myself as a legalist and say that I preach legalism because I believe that God has a moral code by which we need to live by and that we can hold each other accountable to it. Now, those people have a very limited understanding of the word law. They want to use it for their benefit. Part of the problem with the English language is it's very limiting. Uh, we, we have one word for love. We love our dog. We love pizza. We love Jesus. And we love our spouse, right? Uh, the, the Greeks had five words for love. Uh, we have one word for snow. Eskimos have 50. Like, it's true. Uh, and, and so when it comes to law and we read this, we, we read law within the context of what feels best to our sinful nature. Uh, and, and so whatever things we're going to read that's going to fit, fit into our flesh, we're going to use it as justification for immoral living. And, and so people that say these types of things um, say, well, the law has been done away with. And so you don't have to do that because, you know, it's all gone away from. And, and those types of people use phrases like, hey, well, you use you wear mixed clothing. And that was in the law. And, and the law has been uh, done away with. I'm, we're not under the law anymore. Um, they'll say things like, well, you eat pork. Uh, so the law isn't in effect anymore. And then they take the next step and they use it as justification of why homosexuality should be acceptable and adultery should be acceptable and why abortion be a, should be a, acceptable. And, and, and so they, they, they mixed all of these different laws into something that need not be. You're here this morning. I'm going to be explaining them to you. Let me be clear. If you don't get anything else out of this message, and I pray like some, and I praise God for the, the parents that you guys bring your kids to church. It's so beautiful. And, and kids, I know that sometimes you look at me and you're just like, I just won't fall asleep. My dad won't beat me on the ride home. Uh, and, and I know that sometimes I might say things that are over your head. So kids, pay attention to your pastor right now for just a minute, okay? What we do does not make us a Christian. It's not what saves us. What saves us is what Jesus did on the cross for us. Okay. But because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we want to do good things, but doing good things does not get us to heaven. Okay. Jesus gets us to heaven. And so we put our faith in Jesus, but because of what he's done for us, then we do good things. Okay. What does that mean in in adult terms is that Uh, obedience does not bring justification. It's because of justification that we are obedient. And, and, and so it's, 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 
it's just part of who we are as Christians is that we, we are obedient because of what Jesus did for us. James chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. We all are guilty, rotten, pagan dog sinners that needed a savior. We could not save ourselves. I don't care how, many, uh, how much money you give to the food bank or how many lepers bandages you cleanse, you cannot make it to heaven on your own merits. The only thing that will get you to heaven is belief in Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice on the cross. Let me make that abundantly clear. But because he's done that, it doesn't nullify that there is a code by which we should walk by. Now, I'm going to teach you some $5 words this morning. And and these words are just part of the backdrop of what we're talking about this morning because these aberrant theologies flow within modern day Christianity. And you will hear them not by name, but in practice because uh, people will use scriptures uh, against you to try to get you to live immorally. And so I'm going to teach you these $5 words so that you can understand it, see it, call it out. So when someone says something, you're like, no, man, that's wrong. So the first one is antinomianism. Now, anti is against, right? So uh, nomianism is law. And the word antinomianism is a belief that says that there is no laws. There are no laws. And antinomianists or people that believe in antinomianism will always preach antinomianism without calling it that. And they'll just say that, you know, there's no law. Like the law has been done away with. Jesus Christ said, I came to fulfill the law and he fulfilled the law. So now there's no rules. And anybody that tries to put a rule on you doesn't know Jesus. And anybody that tries to put a law on you is being a legalist. Now, these people believe that there should be no laws in Christianity. And, and they'll quote you scriptures like Romans 13, 10 and says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And, and these loosey-goosey 60s hippie types uh, with their sloppy agape love are loving people to the gates of hell. Uh, they, they, they say that's the only law. Like, oh, we just have a lot of love. And they say there's no law except they make loving the law. So in turn, they really don't make any sense because their one law is the law of love, which is really not true in what they say. It's just not. Just love, and then you're being a good Christian. Um, listen, love without consequence isn't love. It's just not. You, you can't appreciate the love of God unless you understand the wrath of God. That God looked past his wrath to love us, helps us love him even more, and that he does not do to us what we deserve. Uh, it's, it's the reason why, um, you know, Seattle's in the place that it's in right now, because there's no consequence it's, it's love and virtue, uh, cloaked in permissive tolerance that ends up creating a society that nobody gets held accountable to anything. That's that. And, and I said this last night on Facebook, if you haven't watched that show, you ought to watch it. You, you see what happens in a lawless society. It's what happens. Not being political. I'm being biblical. That, what, what is happening in Seattle is a picture of what happens in a world without consequence or law. Oh, we're just going to love them. And they're going to get to a point where they're going to come to a realization that they're loved so much that they should change. It's not changing. It's destroying it. And that ethos is moving its way into the church where we say, oh, we just want to love people. We don't want to hold them accountable and we don't want to hurt their feelings. They may not come back to our church and give us $20 a week. We've got to do whatever it does to get them to come in here and feel comfortable. But what it doesn't produce is it doesn't produce righteousness. It doesn't at all. The love gospel's busted, man. It just is. 
been dealing with this thing for 30 years and all I do is see people living licentious lives and cloaked and saying, oh, grace. And God's got grace, but the grace and love is a love that understands that there's still more law. Let me get back to my notes. Set me off. The other one is Marcionism. Anybody ever heard of Marcion? Anybody? Good job. All right. You guys get an extra cookie after church. Now, Marcion was uh, now Marcion was a guy that was in like second, third century Christianity. Now, Christianity has been under assault since the beginning. So this guy Marcion came up with these new aberrant theologies and started pulling Christians away in his direction. And, and what he did is that he accepted some parts of the New Testament, then wanted to discount other parts of the New Testament. And then he wanted to condemn the Old Testament. And, and really his idea was this idea that said, the God of the Old Testament was a angry, violent deity who created the earth. But Jesus came as a separate entity to kind of show us how that deity was wrong. And so we just need to focus on Jesus and the red letters. They weren't red, but Jesus and what he said, because he's the embodiment of that nasty, uh, horrible God of the Old Testament. This, this is still modern day people that say these types of things. It's just not labeled as Marcion as Marcionism. And, and so Marcion says that Jesus came to set the record straight uh, and he was labeled as a heretic and that horrible theology still carries on today. And so this is why people like, and I'll call him out by name because he's a heretic. Andy Stanley will say things like separate uh, your faith from the old Testament because it's Marcionism. It really is. It's an, oh, we don't want to share the, the God of the old Testament. People don't want to go to a church like that. People don't want to hear a message like that. I'm like, listen, I'm not going to curtail what the Bible says to tickle your ears, man. If you don't like it, leave. It's fine. But, but the truth is the God of Genesis is the God of revelation and everything that goes in between. You can't separate the two. If you do, that's Marcionism. Okay. Here's the other one. <laughs> Gnosticism. And Gnosticism, uh, Gnosis, uh, Gnosis is to know, right? It's knowledge. Uh, and, and Gnosticism was a, a prominent heretical movement, again, in the second or third century of uh, Christianity. And what the Gnostics believed is that the world was created by a lesser divine being. So now we as Christians have this higher level of knowledge. Uh, We've been enlightened. We have gnosis. We have knowledge. And so salvation is gained through knowledge. And, and, And what the Gnostics believed is that because... Uh, not, uh, no, not, the, the, what not, these big seven letter words, what the Gnostics believe is that the Gnosis <laughs> could be known by people and it took them to a higher plane and only a few people could be smart enough to know this thing. And, and again, the way it's manifest in modern day, uh, Christianity is that people will say, well, I've got special revelation and special knowledge and that doesn't apply to me. God, God told me that that law doesn't apply to me or that that's been done away with. And you wouldn't understand it because you're not as spiritual as me uh, because I only I have this special knowledge. And, and, and then you get in this special revelation with people that got special knowledge. And if you're anything like me, it's just in the back reading the book. You're like, what? Where did I go wrong? Like, how does this person know something I don't? I thought it was all in here. And then you get in these gnosis people and all of a sudden you're, you're off star trekking in the twilight zone and some you're dancing with someone that ain't your spouse. Like it's just not good. Okay. <laughs> Stay away from Gnosticism. There's the special knowledge is found through Genesis and revelation. If you can read, you can know it. It's not, it's not reserved. Like 
I, and I don't mean to talk bad. I'm not that intelligent of a guy. I, I just read it, does what it says, and I try to make it entertaining while you guys listen to it. I mean, it's pretty simple. Now, Marcion and the Gnostics both rejected the Old Testament. They believed in different gods. They believed a different God did creation. Marcion believed in salvation through faith. Gnostics believed in salvation through knowledge. Marcion believed that salvation was open to all, but the Gnostics believed it was just for the elect. Oh, interesting. Uh, Marcion interpreted the Bible literally, and Gnostics thought it was secret knowledge. What does all this mean? I don't know, but we're going to get there. The point of that part of the sermon is for you to understand these aberrant theologies that people try to use with this scripture to pull you in a direction that's wrong. These limited people don't really want to understand what the scripture says because they want to live life on their own terms. They don't want to be held accountable to a holy God that that, that demands uh, certain things from them. There, there's in fact three different types of, of law. Now when Jesus says law, and he kind of flows back and forth through all of this as he's going through the scripture, remember Matthew's written to a Jewish audience Uh, that had context that we don't understand. We hear law and we think legislature. We hear law and we hear, think, you know, the Auburn Municipal Code. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. Uh, There's moral law. And moral law is like, you know, don't sleep with somebody who's not your spouse. Don't steal. Don't kill anybody. Don't, you know, that's, that's moral law. And, and, and the, the uh, Hebrew, it's mishpatim. There's ceremonial law, the hakim, and and the ceremonial law that we read in the Bible is you take the grain, you take the animal, you burn it, you kill it, you sprinkle it, you do these different types of things. And the ceremonial law was, uh, I'll get into it, that's ceremonial law. The judicial civil law is the, the, you take three oxen, if you give some guy three oxen, you throw him out of the camp, you you know, you kill the mold and like all, all these different ways that uh, society was being run. So those are the three different types of law, moral law, ceremonial law, judicial, civil law. And you've got to understand those three to be able to adequately understand this scripture. I'm going to explain them to you in, a, in just a moment here. So moral law is akin to God's natural law. And natural law is a law that need not be taught because it's, it's just flows throughout humans. We are created a certain way with a certain level of morality. The, the Bible describes what everybody already knows. You know, people are just so rebellious that God had to write it down so that you knew, you know, well, I didn't say it in there. Uh, so I don't have to do it. It's like a kid that said, well, I wouldn't have done that if you didn't tell me that. And it's like, no, come on, man. Don't be stupid. You know, God's moral, natural laws. It's written inside of our hearts. There has rarely, and I always have to say rarely, because some say, well, this is one society. There's no society out there that upholds murder and theft and adultery as a virtue within their society even outside of the scriptures, you go somewhere with people that have never uh, read the Bible and they still have a, a, a general morality of how they conduct their lives because that's a natural part of how God has created us. Now, that law is still in force today. When, and, and this is why these people that say, well, you know, Christ came to fill the law and I'm not under law and there's no laws. It's like, so why aren't you out murdering people, man? Because I tell you, if it was done away with, that'd be one of the first things I'd do. Like, I just like, I'm not under the law. You're done. Like, I was like, what do I, right? No one else. Okay. Well, it, uh, I don't know. It's, it's still in effect. We're still bound by moral laws. 
We, we don't sleep with somebody who's not our spouse. We don't steal things that aren't ours. We don't uh, take advantage of people. That's, that's a moral law that's still in force today. And, and Paul described it in Romans chapter 2. For when Gentiles who do not have the law, Gentiles were non-Jewish people, do not have the law, by nature do the things in the law, these, although not having the law, are a law to themselves. Paul's describing saying, these Gentiles don't even have your law, and they were living by the law because it was a law that was written on their hearts. It's, it naturally comes to them. Who show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and between themselves and their thoughts, accusing or else excusing them. This is why the gospel still works. This is why when someone comes into church and you say, you what? You're an offense to God based on how you're living. They don't even have to hear what the Bible describes as sin. They know that it's sin because they know that they're doing wrong. Unless you live in a city like Seattle where now they're writing laws that say that the natural laws of thievery don't even even apply anymore because you can use it as a justification of why you commit a crime. It's hard to preach the gospel to people like that because the civic judicial law lines up with their sins. That's a different story altogether. I'm on a bender this morning. Romans chapter one, verse 19, because what may be known of God is manifest in them for God has shown it to them for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. No one inside the church, outside the church, heard the Bible, not heard the Bible has any excuse for it being held accountable to God's moral law. There's just no excuse. God's shown himself through creation that, that there's a moral uh, law by which we all live to. This is why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul taught law. Paul taught moral law and said there is a standard by which we as Christian people need to live. And so you cannot use the scripture and say the law has been done away with. There is a law that's been done away with, but the moral law has not been done away with. There are still laws. There is still sin. There is still things that will keep you out of heaven. There are things that you need to be living by that you need to cast away from your life. There's still standards. That's not legalism. Again, justification brings obedience. Obedience does not bring justification. If you're punching somebody in the face repeatedly and I'm like, hey man, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, oh, you're a legalist. Am I? Like, no, you've been saved. Quit punching that person in the face. Why is that so hard to explain to people, man? It just is. You know, you say to a woman like, hey man, you probably shouldn't have that showing. You know, like, why are you being a legalist? Well, it just help everybody else out. You know, it's just distracting. I'm not, you know what I mean? Why is that so hard? Legalist. Not a legalist, man. You know what? The truth is, if I was a legalist, things would be a whole lot different around here. (laughs) Jeez. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we, shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? So that's moral law. Now you've got ceremonial law. Now ceremonial law is, and, 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 and it's almost like atonement law because the ceremonial law that's written within the Bible is the means by which we as humans have to deal with our sins so that we could be in relationship with the Holy God. And, and you read throughout all of the Old Testament, all of these mundane 
restrictions and guidelines of what we need to do. Someone asked me this week, if you've been, if you're a guy and you get my scripture text, you see, I've been sending you a lot of Deuteronomy this week because that's where I've been reading in. Uh, Christmas morning, I was in Deuteronomy and it said, let an emasculated man not enter the assembly. And I thought that wasn't fitting for Christmas. So I didn't send you that one. But, but those, those type of uh, ceremonial laws were the means by which people, because we're sinners that need a savior, we can't save ourselves had to go through a process to be able to be made right with God. So there's all these like burn the grain, kill the dove, uh, go in and sprinkle this and tie the rope to the priest. And if he dies, cause he's no good anyway, you got to pull him out. And, and you have to do this yearly and you have just different feasts and all this other stuff. All of that really just fits in with one thing. How can I be made right with God? And so we as Christians, when we have to plow through when our Bible reading plans through Numbers and Deuteronomy, listen, man, it ain't that exciting. But what it is, is that as you're reading it, you read and it just going like, oh my gosh, man, can you imagine if we had to do this to be made right with God instead of just believing in Jesus and being, you know, believing that he was our atoning sacrifice to be able to not have to go through that. that that's the ceremonial law. God was very clear how he wanted his business conducted within the temple. And all it was doing was setting up the stage for a perfect savior to be able to take care of all of the ceremonial law so that we could be in a right relationship with God. God's natural law, side note here, God's natural law predated the Mosaic law. Moses, who, who got the law and gave it to the nation of Israel, even before the Mosaic law, read the book of Genesis, sexual immorality, a murder, thievery. It was all still bad even before Mosaic law came into play. It was still there. So was giving and tithing before the Mosaic law. Oh, the law has been done away with. I don't have to do that anymore. It's like, listen up, friend, read the whole book. Because God's natural law predates the Mosaic law. So when Jesus says that I've fulfilled, he's making perfect all the ceremonial demands Israel had to follow to connect with God. That's ceremonial law. (coughs) Excuse me. It's not COVID. Um, I always have to say that now. My throat's dry, not COVID. Um, It's because I've been strung out on sugar for the last week and I haven't been eating it. Now my throat is like sugar. Um, now, part of this uh, ceremonial law is understood in Romans 10, 14, uh, 10, 4. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. That, that's that idea, remember, uh, of us being in a right relationship with God. Our righteousness used to come through following the ceremonial laws through the priesthood, right? Now, Paul says our righteousness, our right relationship with God is made through faith in Christ Jesus, when, when people wanted to be righteous before God before, they had to follow festivals and procedures to be made right. But now through faith in Christ, we have righteousness. We don't have to do a Seder meal. We don't have to do the feast of weeks and, uh, you know, a grain offering and all these other things. We just don't have to do that. This is why the title of this message is thank God for bacon. Cause we can eat pork. Hallelujah. Do you know that's why you have an Easter ham and not a Christmas ham? Is because Easter, we celebrate Christ's resurrection, which is the proof that he did abolish the ceremonial laws. So now we can eat pork. So praise God, man. That's why I say every time you eat bacon or some pork ribs, it's like, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And it goes for shellfish as well for, you know, lobsters and shrimp and scampi and all those other oysters, uh, all that. It's real good. Now, lastly, the other part of the law is judicial civil law. Remember, 
Israel was a nation in and of itself. And so they were separate from the other nations around them. And so God had to give them just the nuts and bolts of how to conduct business as, uh, as a nation. Consequently, American law has a lot of connections to that law as well. Um, uh, you know, like the law of like, uh, not having to incriminate yourself because it had to be uh, under the mouth of one to two witnesses that someone actually saw you do it. Um, those types of things are just judicial laws so that uh, Moses could um, hand out punishments for people. If a man is caught, if a, if someone does this, if a man takes another man's tent, if a man moves the boundary of his boundary, like th- those types of things, while they may be uh, immoral to move a boundary from another man's land, you know, consequently, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you can move a fence on somebody else's land if it's there for eight years and they don't say anything and get that land back. Hallelujah. I'm looking for some land. And so, uh, <clears throat> but that's not a moral issue. That's a judicial issue. Uh, and so those three different types of laws we see in play, I mean, you even see like the Roman emperor uh, using Israel, Israel's judicial law against them uh, when they put Jesus uh, to the cross. And, and so you can see kind of the, the moral, excuse me, the judicial law being in play at the same time. We have civic law today. We don't have ceremonial law because we have Jesus Christ, but the moral law is still in place. But the civic law we have today is like Auburn Municipal Code. It's not from the Bible. It's from the state of Washington, unless you live in Seattle and they don't follow the laws anyway. So, um, so that's the intro. Let's get into the scripture. Uh, So Jesus says, do not think that I have come to destroy the law of the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And so when Jesus says this, remember, Matthew is written to a Jewish audience and the Jewish audience understands the law. They understand what Jesus is saying here. And so he's connecting himself with the law of Moses, which the Jews held in the highest regard. And what he's saying to them is he's saying, I'm not saying the law wasn't good or useful because the Jews held the law in high regard. But he's saying, but now you're going to see the fulfillment of what the law was intended to do. What the law was intended to do was it was supposed to show you your need for a savior. It was supposed to show you how the law was not good enough to get you in a relationship with God. And so when Jesus says, uh, do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets, I did not come to destroy, but fulfill that fulfillment of Jesus is saying, I'm going to fulfill the moral law. And that I'm going to live the most moral life that you've ever seen. Because Jesus never broke any ceremonial or judicial civic laws of Israel. But he also didn't uh, break any moral laws because he was without sin. When he says that I'm the fulfillment of the ceremonial law, they, they don't understand that at this moment that he's saying it because he hasn't yet gone to the cross and he hasn't sprinkled his blood in the mercy seat of God, but he's saying, I am the fulfillment of that. So on one hand, they're like, how can you be the fulfillment? Because I thought we had to do the atonement. But then he's also saying, I'm the fulfillment of the judicial civic law in that I'm going to be your king. I'm going to rule you and we're we're going to rule and reign and we're going to set up our kingdom. And so when Jesus says, I'm not going to do away with this thing, I'm actually coming to fulfill it. I'm, I'm, I'm showing you what fulfillment looks like. But it's all faith. It's all belief. It's all believement. Believement. It's all fulfillment in Jesus. It's not that we're no longer bound to moral law, but we're going to be able to live a moral law not to be justified, but because we've already been justified. And the truth is, is without Jesus Christ, you can't live a moral life anyway. In and of yourself, you're powerless to be able to live according to the scriptures. We, we, we in and of ourselves are prone to evil. We, we just can't do it. But the Holy Spirit inside of us helps us to live the moral law that Jesus describes. Because we've been made ceremoniously clean by the blood of the lamb. Amen. 
1 John 5, 3 says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. And Jesus says, this law has been pointing you to me this whole time. I am the fulfillment. This is why you look at the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, there's many prophecies from Abraham and Moses and uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah and David. Like all these people had all these prophecies that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.24, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law was never intended to save us. It was imperfect. Uh, God's intention was just to show the inadequacy of man to save himself so that we could be saved by Jesus Christ. But the scriptures talk about how the law and the prophets were the ones that led us to Jesus Christ. Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's why we don't do sacrifices anymore. It's all faith at this point, believing that what Jesus did was enough to make us in a right relationship with God. Now, Jesus said to them in Luke 24, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. It has to be fulfilled. That's why Jesus came because all of those prophecies had to be filled. All of the parts of the law had to be filled. Paul, even as a Jew said, In Acts 24, but this I confess to you that according to the way which they call a sect, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets. Jesus didn't go, uh, Jesus did not do away with the law. He fulfilled the law. Parts of it are no longer intact, but some still are. And I don't know why that's so hard for some people to understand. Moral law still exists. Ceremonial law has been satisfied. Judicial civil law of the reigning king of Israel will come in the new heaven and the new earth where he will rule and reign and he'll have exactly how it needs to be. I can't say exactly this. This is what I believe personally is I I think that the Mosaic law is probably going to be the law that's going to rule us uh, in heaven, but we won't have a need for any of the sacrifices, but all those things are still going to be intact. That's just what I believe. If you don't, it's fine. I can't back it up. That's just what I believe. Uh, Jesus says, not a jot or a tittle. So verse 18, he says, for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by any means pass away until it is all fulfilled. And that all fulfilled part is understanding that God's word goes forth. He says what his word says. And if God said it, it will come to pass. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I said it. God does not say things he does not mean, and God will not say things that will not come to pass. Jesus coming on the scene at the time that he did was a fulfillment of all these Old Testament prophecies. The the best the best and scariest part of scripture is that everything that God said has come to pass. And everything that he says will come to pass will come to pass. And, and, and so when Jesus says not a jot or a tittle, that means that like uh, every dotted I and every cross T, everything that is going to happen, the fulfillment of me is going to happen and everything when I return is going to happen. The fulfillment of, of what's going to happen to people that don't live according to the scriptures is going to happen. Right now fulfilled and future fulfilled, it will happen. Moral law cannot be fulfilled by us. 
We can't because we're imperfect. Jesus did fulfill it. Murders cannot commence because of Jesus. Judicial law cannot be fulfilled. We must still live together in community. Ceremonial justification can and has been fulfilled in Christ. The establishment of a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. You guys still with me? Okay. Because you guys are kind of giving me the glazed look. I get it, man. It's a lot to cover. I talked to one of my pastor friends this week and I was like, man, how do you cover this in 45 minutes? And he was like, bro, you need like 45 weeks. We don't have 45 weeks. You just, you got to drink from the fire hose and get it. Good news is all the notes are online. You can just follow up. Romans 8, 3 and 4 says, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. What the law could not do on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in all who do not walk to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The righteous requirement of the law. That term again is understanding how our relationship with God is pertaining to the righteous requirements of the law versus our faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Hebrews 2.17 said, Therefore in all things he had to be made like his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. This is why reading your Bible is so important and understanding is so important. If you understand... Old Testament ceremonial law and what the priest had to do. And then you see a a new Testament fulfillment of it. It brings a certain enrichment to it. It's, it's like, and and I didn't get to go into this because, um, I covered it in Mark. It's it's like when Jesus was baptized and you say, well, why did Jesus have to be baptized? He wasn't a sinner. Why? Because the priest had to be baptized, uh, when he started his ministry, when he was 33 years old, that's when he started his ministry. That's why Jesus was baptized yet. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Uh, A priest cannot be a priest unless he's all of it. And so you look at these parts, but you don't understand the law. But if you understood the law, you're like, oh, that's why Jesus was baptized because he had to fulfill the Levitical law of who a priest can be so he could be our perfect atoning sacrifice and priest before God on our behalf right? All that stuff. We're made clean in him. John 5, 15, 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Hebrews 9, 9 and 10 says it was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. What does that mean? That means that the priests of the old Testament were not perfect. They just weren't. That, that's why we needed Jesus, the perfect priest, because they were not perfect enough. Do you realize that when the, uh, in the Old Testament, when the priests would go into the Holy of Holies and offer sacrifices, they would tie a rope to their foot because if they weren't perfect that day, they'd fall down dead and they'd have to drag them out. Like, well, Jim, you tried this week. He, he wasn't able to do it. Just wasn't good enough. Romans 3.21, but now the righteousness, a right relationship with God apart from the law, ceremonial law, not doing away with moral law is revealed, being witnessed by the law, all of the prophecies and the law of the Old Testament and the prophets, even the righteousness, right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, believing he's our atoning sacrifice and on all who believe for there is no difference all of us have fallen sin and have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is why Jesus said in Matthew five nineteen, back to our scripture, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Now he wasn't saying the least of these commandments that some are less than others. He's saying, you know what guys, 
you're going to continue to live morally, but because the problem was, if and I'm jumping around, we're almost done here. In Matthew 20 says, for I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you might no means enter the kingdom of heaven. The problem that was going on is that the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were breaking moral law and justifying it by saying they were living within ceremonial and civic law. And then, and, and, and so Jesus turns it on their end and says, and this is why in the New Testament, he says things like, you've heard it said, which is saying that Pharisees say, well, uh, if a man doesn't commit adultery, he's fine. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Even if you lust, oh, if I don't steal, nope. If you've got thievery in your heart, like Jesus says those types of things because he's saying your righteousness has to go so far past just not performing moral acts. You, I always say there's two ways to heaven. You can either live a sinless life and be born of a virgin, or you can believe in Jesus, right? Jesus was sinless. And so when Jesus says to them, you know what? Your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. He's saying, you know what? Living a moral law and living a ceremonial law and living a judicial law isn't enough. That's not what's going to save you. Your righteousness has to exceed that. You have to put your faith in me. You have to put your faith in Jesus that says, you know what? He is the atoning sacrifice for my sins. He's the one that's going to get me into heaven. Ceremonial law fulfilled. We made that clear. Atonement fulfilled. Moral law still intact doesn't save us. Obedience because of our justification before him. Judicial civil law of how Israel ran itself as a nation. We still have moral and civil laws of how we run our nation. Now, when Jesus comes as our ruling reigning king, there will still be judicial and civil law that Jesus will use as our king to rule and reign over us. Moral, ceremonial, judicial. Does that make sense this morning? You guys mopping up what I'm spilling? That's the close. That's it. That's, that's all I got. Amen. Would you guys close your eyes? Would you guys bow your heads? If you're here this morning, and you're not a Christian. I want to give you an opportunity to become one. It's really quite easy. Either you're a Christian or you're not. Either you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. What you can get from this message this morning is that living morally is not going to get you to heaven. It's not, man. You can't say, well, I didn't kill anybody. I'm not going, I'm going to heaven. That's not how it works. Only through believing in Jesus Christ can you make it to heaven. His atoning sacrifice to put us in a right relationship with God. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, I want to be a Christian. I want to be in a right relationship with God. I want to, I want to be forgiven of my sins. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do that for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to become a Christian. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the very first time? I always like to ask if there's anybody that wants to rededicate their life to Jesus. You've been far from God. You want to be forgiven of your sins once again. Come back into a relationship with him. If you need to make that decision, rededicate your life to Jesus. Raise your hand this morning. We'll pray with you as well.
pray. Father, we thank you for the law. Thank you that it led us to you. And God, today we put our faith in you. Total and complete trust in you as our atoning sacrifice, as our Savior. Father, we submit to your Lordship this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy. Give you all praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.